Occasionally, myself and our coaching staff at DadStartingOver.com, we run into a client who has issues that go beyond the scope of coaching. They may have really severe anxiety, depression, suicidal ideation, and this is the point where our coaches stop and say, have you spoken to a therapist? What a lot of these men say is, I've looked into it, not a lot of options in my area, it can't work with my schedule, or I have an appointment schedule, but I can't get in for another four months. In other words, the need is there. They recognize the need. They see the value in the therapy, but the options for getting the therapy are extremely limited in their area. Well, thanks to our friends at BetterHelp.com, there is an option for you. BetterHelp is a unique service that allows you to talk to a licensed therapist from your area via your telephone or your computer. You can do voice chat with them if you wish. You can email back and forth. You can text with them all on your time schedule, all from the convenience of your phone or your computer. So check it out at betterhelp.com DSO. That's betterhelp.com DSO and get 10% off your first month of service with BetterHelp. Hey everyone, DSO here from dadstartingover.com and wanted to tell you about the DSO fraternity. The DSO fraternity is the members only portion of my website at dadstartingover.com and you can learn more about it by going to dadstartingover.com slash join. If you are a member, you get access to all of my books in PDF and audiobook format. You can stream the audio live from the website or you can actually listen to it from your podcast app, which is a new feature. We also have uh, hundreds of articles for members only. We have uh, audio in the form of a DSO fraternity podcast. And we also have all of our meetings. We have live DSO fraternity meetings, three to four of them per week. And if you're not able to attend, we archive all of the meetings and we put it on the website for you to listen to. And again, you can also listen to it via your podcast app. We have private Facebook discussion groups. And lastly, if you're interested in one-on-one coaching with one of our five DSO coaches, then you're in luck because DSO fraternity members get one-on-one coaching at a considerable discount. So again, check it out. See if it's right for you. Dadstartingover.com slash join. And now on to today's episode. So Thomas, welcome back to the show. Long time no chat. Yeah, it's been a while. Thanks yeah, for having me. But uh, we had a lot going on since you and I last spoke. We've uh, been keeping super busy with all things fraternity related with the meetings, which you are hosting... How many of those now? One a week? Yeah, it's it's been on average one a week with the you know, with the occasional setback where maybe it just not able to make it. Yeah. I had one a couple of weeks ago I wasn't able to make, which kinda of led to this. There this you go. <laughs> Perfect uh, segue into why we're but, talking. So yeah, it came up where uh yeah. you got on there and said, uh, hey, sorry guys, no meeting this week. And um and then a few days after that, I think you came on to the Facebook group. And said, all right, guys, this is what's going on. And for those that aren't aware what the hell we're talking about, there's always going to be somebody new to this show. Um, Go to dadstartingover.com to learn all about what we're talking about. There is a separate members-only portion of the group called the DSO Fraternity, and DSO stands for Dad Starting Over. And a big part of that group is uh, we have just over 600 guys now from all over the world, and we get together for live meetings about four times a week. We have four different guys and myself occasionally that host meetings on a variety of different topics and we get on Zoom together and we all talk and then we have online forums 
that for now are on Facebook. Hopefully here in the near future we'll get off of Facebook because that's a whole shit show in itself. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so, But uh, we get on there and talk. There's probably conversations on there, I would say, 24-7, don't you think? Uh, you could you can get on oh, any no, time at night and somebody's on there because we have guys from Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, Europe, the U.S., all over. So somebody's going to be on there talking. And um, so yeah, you got And if you miss it by being yeah. 60 minutes, there's already like 13 or 14 comments. Yeah. So people are yeah. kind of, and you, you circle back around, like, I have nothing more to add to this. So <laughs> <laughs> very, uh, it's, it's very busy. It is. Very popular. And so you got on there and you knew, well, this is going to be the best way to get this news out. And you said, hey, sorry, guys, about missing that meeting, but had some stuff coming up. And I wasn't sure about sharing this, but here goes. And what you shared is that um, you are at the very, very early stages. I guess you have officially decided I'm done with this marriage. It's time to move on. I've tried all I can. And we're talking divorce, right? Yeah. So when I when I initially put a profile up on the website, it, if you read between the lines, it, it kind of hinted at the fact that I wasn't sure if this marriage was going to make it or not. I was kind of working through some issues about two and a half years ago. And we talked about that in my, my initial uh, conversation with you that uh, why I came to find out about uh, this fraternity and, and the book and, and how all that came together. I don't want to spend too much time on that, but uh, I'd recently just gone through a rough time with my marriage. She came back. We started working things out. And then over the course of the last two and a half years, it, you know, it kind of led to, to where we were about two weeks ago. And ironically, right. The, the meeting was, I think, titled, uh, what does she think and should you care? And I was going to initially just go ahead and do the meeting. Um, but I just <laughs> felt like having that conversation, depending on what some of the guys would, would talk, I didn't want to toss gasoline on an already volatile, volatile situation. She was moving her stuff out of the house. And here I am in the, in the <laughs> office saying, yeah, I don't give a damn about what she thinks. And it's like, I could just envision her coming in here, giving me her two cents. Uh, and I thought, you know, that it, it's better to just go ahead and cancel it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, cause I'm not here to piss anybody off and I'm not here to make her mad. I, I still, uh, I, I love her just as much today as I, I, you know, I did 10 years ago. I'm just not in love with her anymore and there's a big difference so sure you know i didn't want to be that guy and and just kind of make it seem like i had no care i wasn't empathetic to the emotions the emotions that were going through her mind as well as mine so that's mm -hmm. why i went ahead and canceled that meeting so begs the question then so what happened you said it sounds like it's been going so on for a couple of years back. now yeah and I, I you know i think the issue is kind of symbolic of the marriage as a whole, you know, you get together and there's issues and you kind of don't address them like you should. And then over time it compounds. Right. And, you know, sometimes that's what leads to a lot of guys going through this dead bedroom scenario is they don't address problems. They kind of go their separate ways. Uh, they physically lose touch with each other and they're not working as a, as a married couple should. And when she came back uh, from our initial kind of separation, you know, it was like that honeymoon phase all over again. Yeah. I was 
excited that she came back. She was excited. It was just like, we're going to make this work. But what we never did was address the reason why we got there to begin with. Hmm. It was just like, okay, we're just going to start new. And you can't do that when you've got 10 years of history. No. And, you know, a month or two rolled by and, and things were were great. Um, but in the back of, I think, both of our minds, and I can't speak for her, but I can presume that's going on in the back of her mind, was there's still these issues that we're not really addressing. We just don't want to because we have never really been able to have those sit down and have a conversation about the things that are bothering us and the other person be able to accept that conversation. We, we just couldn't. So we didn't. And, and over time, you know, the last two years, there were ups and downs, but I never really felt like she was fully invested in the marriage. And what I mean by that was she, I think she was just kind of expecting me to take, the initiative to do all the changes that she wanted to see me make. And at the same time was, was still kind of had that foot out the door. Uh, I'm going to keep kind of separate my, my finances uh, wasn't really fully investing in doing the budget. We just wasn't working as a married couple and uh, just, you know, years of that go by. In fact, I never even fully, stopped the divorce. She filed back, you know, two and a half years ago, she filed out of like a reactionary to, to what she deemed my behavior was when she moved out to begin with. She ended up filing. I think it was kind of that, you know, the, the person who gets there first is in the better scenario. And, and sometimes that's true, but long story short, she filed, we got back together, her attorney offered to drop it. And I told my attorney, no, hmm. leave it, just ignore it. Uh, let's put it on the back burner. Uh, you know, if the courts push the issue, then we'll have that conversation. I just want to, I don't want to have to start this process all over again. Maybe that was a mistake on my part. I don't know. But I just knew that if I dropped it and nothing changed, then we got to go through the whole process of filing again. I had a judge that I was comfortable with and I didn't want to get into a different court and, and deal with the potential of, of fighting an even more uphill battle when it came to, to being the dad and, and getting custody. So even myself, I have to admit, if you listen to that, kind of had a foot out the door, right? Yeah. Uh, not really fully committed to making the marriage work. I think we both were keeping that safety net uh, just in case things went south and we, you know, we had to cut swing, as I, I would say Jack would say. But uh, we did that for two and a half years and I just slowly started losing interest and more and more I just started to feel like I'm not in a marriage like and you know ironically the sex was good the sex has really always kind of been good in our relationship so mm -hmm. it's not like we had a dead bedroom sometimes it gets boring but I mean, 12 years together, you got to work on that, uh, you know, and, and, but for the, you know, it was kind of me that a month or two before this, this kind of happened, I even started losing interest in that. Right. And that's, yeah. there's probably a lot of guys that are going to listen to me thinking, what the hell? <laughs> that's, that's, how does that happen? Is that, but yeah, I mean, I just, 
and and now obviously that's a snowball effect when yeah. when I'm no longer interested in the intimacy. It has the same effect on on her as it does if it was the other way around. Well, sure. And so she's even, you know, I'm sure she's even more like, "What's going on? Why is he no longer interested?" And and you could tell at times she was even kind of being very very aggressive, hoping mm-hmm. to get a reaction out of me, and it, it I just it wasn't there. And I knew mentally that if I kept the intimacy going, because as a guy we can, right? I mean, we yeah. Can. We can go through the motions. Yeah. Right. If I kept that going, it was going to make it more difficult to do what I felt was eventually going to have to be done. And that was saying, okay, look, we're either going to go all out or we're going to have to to walk away. And uh, that was just kind of the decision was we're just going to have to walk away. So about a week before she started moving out, I think she seen the writing on the wall and started looking to get her self situated to kind of leave the household. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, cause she knew I wasn't going nowhere. <laughs> I'm not that guy. I'm not leaving the house. Yeah. Uh, we're just going to walk around awkward for a while until one of us, <laughs> and it's not going to be me. Mm-hmm. And, and we've had that conversation where she's like, you're going to sleep on the couch. It's like, no, no, that's, I'm not that guy anymore. I used to be that guy. Now, I don't care if you're pissed. I don't care if you want to moan and complain. I'll sleep right through it. That's, that's, that's a you problem from here on out. And, and so I think she kind of knew that the only way this was going to, without legal intervention right away, the best move she could make was to look to move out. And I, I, I think there was two reasons behind that. One, it was obviously because I wasn't going to, and she knew that. But two, I, I still think it was kind of that same method of getting my attention that she tried to use two and a half years ago of, okay, I'll just leave. And two and a half years ago, it worked, right? Because I became depressed. I became uh, an emotional, just sorry individual begging, you know, pleading with her to come home and, and I'll do better. Never really at first realizing that this is pathetic. And once I, once I got over that that initial uh, response, I just started feeling better about myself, and and I, you know, it, it hasn't gone away. So yeah, even the day that she's loading up the 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 moving truck with her stuff, I'm not. I mean, am I upset that it came to this? Yeah, but at the same time, it, there's I I just didn't feel the need to chase her down. She doesn't. I don't need her to live my life. I want her a part of my life, but I, I realized I don't need her for my mm-hmm. life to go forward. And I think maybe this break is kind of what we we both needed. And I've been rambling, so <laughs> no. I'll have to follow up with so with any questions you have. I mean, you've you've uh, outlined a very definitive split where you separated from her emotionally, like the, the switch gets flipped off. And you're just like, man, I just don't have that attachment I used to have anymore. Is that, right. can you point to a very specific, oh, I guess you could look at it two ways, something that she did or continued to do over and over again, or was it a metamorphosis within yourself or combination of both? Is it just, was this a grand epiphany one morning when you woke up and said, I'll be damned, I don't know if I want to keep doing this. I think I think it was a combination of both. So the the first time she left, um, 
like I said, for the first month or two, I was an emotional wreck, but then I got served the, uh, the paperwork and kind of said, you know what, fine. I'm, I'm going to go out and do my own thing. And I started to, to let myself be more accepting to advancements from other people and, and just kind of got to a point where I was realizing that, look, I'm not going to have to live the rest of my life alone. There's a lot of people who are interested in me. And I would even argue that two and a half years ago, I went a little bit too fast and, and started to really go out and date and, and see other people. Uh, the minute I got the, the separation papers, it was kind of like my way of, of getting past that initial loneliness stage and using it as a band-aid to just accepting the fact that I can do this by sure. myself. But yeah. it also kind of helped myself, it, you know, it really helped my confidence because I was seeing the potential that was out there. I was seeing that, uh, you know, there's a lot of people that find me attractive. There's a lot of people out there who are looking for a guy who's squared away uh, and has this stuff together because there's, <laughs> there's not a lot of them out there, uh, especially at my age. You know, I'm 40 <laughs> years old. So when you start looking at women in their 30s and, and on, they're kind of, I mean, it's slim pickings for the for men someone. out there. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. Absolutely. That's, that's kind of what I was getting at. And so that really helped my boost my confidence and, and go into the back into the marriage thinking, yeah, if she leaves, I mean, I, I know my work and mm-hmm. if I know my work, I'm not going to continue to tolerate behavior that I, maybe I would have prior to them. But leading up to this time, it was really just a collection of, you know, every time we got into an argument, I was I was being accused of of having an affair, mm-hmm. uh, not being the husband I should be. Uh, you know, always bringing my my kids into it like they don't do enough, or I don't have high expectations of them, and they're a problem. And it just the the toxicness in our arguments yeah. just kind of piled on and piled on to the point where it's like I. I just, I'm not attracted to you like that anymore because you keep telling me yeah. all these bad things about me and I don't get to hear the good things uh, that I bring to the table nearly enough as just the, the bad things. And a lot of them, you know, I, I used an analogy once to her that anytime we argue, she has 10% of truth wrapped around 90% <laughs> of nonsense. Yeah. And before I ever get a chance to work with her about the 10%, I've got to dig through the 90% <laughs> of nonsense. And yeah. I I just couldn't ever get to it. We could never get to the 10% of the shit she was probably realistically pissed off and had every right to be because I'm not perfect. <laughs> and, and there were probably some things I could improve. But when you try and cut through 90% of the nonsense on top of that, by the time you get there, you're just done. It's like I'm not... I just, I just spent yeah. an hour trying to argue over shit that didn't even make sense. So is it, um, is it too simplistic to say that over the last couple of years or so, after you guys got back together, after your little brief breakup there, um, you had a newfound sense of, of self and worth, which consequently means you're not going to be chasing her as much, and you're not going to be playing the lapdog role as much, and she in turn interpreted that as he's just not invested as much in us anymore and that really sets me off 
and I'm unsure about the safety and security of our relationship, and it just drove her a little bonkers. Yeah, yeah, no, I think that's a really good way to summarize the the last two and a half years was, you know, with my, she didn't understand that my newfound sense of, I guess, confidence or, or work didn't mean I wasn't going to be married. Like, I still find her valuable. I'm just, like you said, I'm not going to be that guy who you can, who, who gets up and treats you like you're everything with nothing in return. Um, and, you know, at, at some point you, you're willing to put up with a little bit, right? You should when you're married. There's a little bit of that back and forth. Mm-hmm. And it just, in my mind, there was not an equal. We never really fully came together as a as a couple should. And I don't know if that was ever going to happen. What did, uh, you know, any kind of marriage therapist type person will ask this question, which is they'll just look at you and say, what exactly is it that you want? What's it going to take for you guys to stick it out? You know, if, if she called you tomorrow and said, let's give this another chance. Uh, I set up an appointment for a marriage counselor next week. That, that's the question that's going to come up. Well, Thomas, right. what the hell is it you want? W- what do you want out of her exactly? So she can know and she can decide, well, I can or can't do that. So have you quantified that at all? Yeah, in my mind, it was just investment. Um, the work, putting in the hard work. And, and I just feel like uh, a lot of the problems that we had, if she was just willing to sit down at the table and say, okay, this is my issue. How do we fix it? She, and be she wouldn't even go. Saying, she wouldn't even take the step of the basic communication? No, not, not in a sense that allowed us to be adults, uh, yeah. to, to make any progress, right? Like I said, those arguments always got volatile really fast. Yeah. And uh, for, for an example like finances, uh, sitting down together and working as a couple on finances, which is something we were not able to, to do again, because I think in her mind, she was still kind of defensive on if she's got to leave, she wants to have her own uh, separate you know, backup plan, I, see. I think. And yeah. in my mind is, I don't care how much money you have, right? I don't care. She really doesn't work. She she does a little things here and there, like photography and stuff. And I don't care how much money you have. I don't care how much money you want to uh, stash away in the the emergency fund of, of whatnot. But everything comes to the table. And then you, you work together as a team and go over the budget. And maybe you say, okay, look, I'm making and I'm just throwing up silly numbers, but I'm making $200 a week doing what I do. I really want to keep that. That That's my spending money. It's like, okay, yeah, you get not a problem, but you don't get to just say what I spend is none of your business <laughs> because then I'm like, well, hold on a minute. Then what I make is none of your business. Yeah, I was going to, I was like, going to ask if it fine. went the, I was going to ask if it went the other direction. Well, and you know, in her mind, and like she was kind of okay with that because in, I was paying all the bills. So it's like, I don't really <laughs> care what she makes. Yeah. Uh, but she would always throw up like, we, you don't have me on the, uh, on the account anymore. You took me off. And I was like, well, I mean, when you leave, that's what happens. <laughs> you don't, you don't get to stick around uh, on, you don't get all the benefits if you're not going to, you know, put forth the work. And 
you know, I told her if we want to sit down and, and I made this offer many a times throughout the last two years, if we want to sit down at the table and throw it all out there, I'm perfectly fine. I don't care what you make. I don't need your money. It's not my concern. And I know this seems like it's all about money, but it's just one way. One of the things that we argued about, uh, but it was basically put it all on the table. Tell me what you want to do with it, but we're not going to do this kind of have our secret lives. Uh, and that was just, I think something that we, we wasn't really ever able to do. So were you more bothered? It, Cause it sounds like, she or both of you kind of had one toe outside of the relationship. And was that something that always bothered you more than bothered her? That uh, she was kind of playing the single gal life, at least part-time in her mind? I, I think it bothered me more because it wasn't so much she was playing the single gal life. She was just reaping the rewards of being married and not wanting to put forth the, the work to, to make the marriage last. That's kind of how I felt. Yeah. I felt like, okay, you're back. And as long as things are going great, we get along. Like I said, the intimacy was always good. Uh, when we were together and there wasn't anything bothering us, we, we got along really, really good. But when it came to the doing the things that are not fun are not you know, just enjoyable. Sometimes sitting down and going over all the bills and trying to figure out how you pay for it or working. I did almost all the grocery shopping and I did almost all the uh, cooking and I like to cook. And that was kind of her argument. But what I would always tell her is, yeah, but you still have to be involved. <laughs> you you got to come and, and, and work with me and say, Hey, I know you're cooking. Uh, let's make a grocery list and I'll mm-hmm. give you the groceries. And then she would say, when I tell her that, she would say, oh, well, I'm not even on the checking account, so how am I supposed to go get groceries? She always had so, the little, I mean, tell yeah, me. yeah, yeah. It's like, well, just tell me you want to go get groceries, and, and we'll figure it out. And in her mind, it's like, well, until you put me on, I think it was like, I'm not going to do anything until you pull me back into everything. And I was sitting over here thinking, well, I'm not pulling you back into everything until you're ready to sit down at the table, and we both. <laughs> had a standoff, like, yeah. We, yeah, oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was. It was one hell of a standoff. And, uh, you know, one thing I did and one thing that I've been trying to tell a lot of guys out there is when you get to that point, you got to back away from the emotional arguments. And that was something I was used to never be able to do. Mm-hmm. The minute we get into an argument, I was I was ready to go. Like, I was ready to put, let's put the gloves on and, you know, figuratively just punch the hell out of each other. And... After all that, I would just, I wouldn't even get involved with those emotional arguments. She would say something that would normally cause a response, and I'd just like, I'm not, I'm done. I'm not doing this anymore. And, uh, you know, that was kind of, uh, it, it kind of helped me, I think, in a sense, move away because I, I didn't allow those emotions to drag myself into these silly back mm-hmm. and forth that didn't involve anything. And did she view that? lack of emotion stoicism on your part as not caring yeah i think so Uh, that was one of the complaints that she still has right now is you don't care and you know even today knowing that she's moved out she'll say things like if you were a husband you wouldn't be acting like this (laughs) like you don't live here anymore i don't know if you understand that yeah but you know i that ship has sailed 
That ship sailed when we made the decision that we're not going to live together anymore. I'm not chasing you. I'm not going to beg you to come home. That's your choice. Mm -hmm. But what's inevitably going to happen is we're going to see other people eventually reap the benefits of being with each other. And that's going to be hard. Yeah. But that's, that's, that's kind of where we are at a point where it's like, I always tell my mom when I, when I was, and yes, I know I bring my mom back into this. <laughs> this comes up to the first interview. So if anybody wants to, to listen to that, I, I am a, a mama's boy uh, to a sense. And that is something that I've, I've learned to uh, overcome. But when I talk to my mom about this, I just kind of, I use the analogy of, or the saying, some people will cut their nose to spite their face. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's her, like she'll burn the marriage down just to be right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of silly. So is, um, so a couple things. One is that you say in the past you used to be Mr. Emotional. You'd cave into some of these verbal jabs. You would pursue her a lot more. And then you guys had this separation. And I'm wondering if a big part of this is you both had a taste of the single life. And then all of a sudden you're yeah. thrown back together again. And she's like, I kind of want to hang on to that whole Miss Independent, I have my own bank account and I spend it as I want thing. And but right. I, and you're like, yeah, and I kind of am tired of the whole pursuing you all the time thing and caving into all of your emotionalities and everything. And uh, yeah, not a very good, not a very good mix there. Um, I th no, I th and yeah. what, a, what a lot of people don't understand is a big reason why she came back was, like I said, I, I did move on too quickly. But when she started to see me happy with someone else, yeah, uh, that when she started to see someone else silly way to put it but when she seen someone else playing with her toy she all then all of a sudden she wanted her toy back oh absolutely yeah i mean and that's when she got her toy back right yeah it, yeah she, she didn't really appreciate the toy she just didn't want someone else playing with it that was something i experienced a, a, a very minor league version of that with my ex-wife was that uh, it, everyone knows my story she was the one that left. She found somebody that she was better suited for, et cetera, et cetera. They're still together. God bless them. I hope they're happy. All that good stuff. But um, I, wait, just like you, quickly jumped into, well, let's start dating. And, um, and a couple of those gals were pretty cute gals that we both kind of sort of knew. And from what I understood from my um, ex-sister-in-law at the time, she would kind of rub it in my ex-wife's nose like, uh, look who he's dating now remember her right. that friend of a friend thing and from what i understand the ex-wife didn't take too well to that and it it wasn't so much of oh i miss him what's he doing it was almost like doesn't this woman know that i i don't know that that we're still freshly divorced and is it just it's girl code that she's supposed to stay away <laughs> let him grieve and feel awful about me leaving don't yeah i i, I never could quite wrap my head around why in the world does she care about that i would think of anything she would say oh god good now he doesn't have to grieve over us anymore and he can move on but no it was just the opposite it was it angered her so very interesting so here you are and the big question though is um what the hell got you to this point to begin with because it sounds like it was a little tumultuous to begin with if you guys are breaking up and getting back together and other stuff so you, you know turning back the hands of time you guys first get together 
where red flags abundant now that you can look back, you know, with clear vision, can you look back and say, well, of course we ended this yeah. way. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if I touched on this. I'm not sure if I touched on this in this first interview, but I met her when I was going through the divorce with my first wife and I was still living in the home with my first wife. Uh, and we were going through a separation and I met her and then my wife uh, found out about us, even though we were already going through a separation and I was sleeping on the couch, found out about us and grabbed the kids and threw a bunch of stuff in the truck and drove from where I, we lived in Texas up to, uh, well, I mean, up towards your neck of the woods where we grew up from. And so that, you know, that's a day's drive, right? 17 hours away, uh, took my kids and. Uh, I think that that was something we never sat down and addressed. So in her mind, if you think about it, that's a red flag because here this guy is, he's not even fully divorced yet. And he's jumping over here. Is he going to do the same thing to me when he starts to check out uh, this and that? But it also never dawned on me that she was okay with it. And, and how healthy is that to, to know that the guy that you're sleeping with is still going home at night, you know, claiming he's sleeping on the couch. And, and I was, but still, you don't know. Yeah. Uh, and uh, if it wasn't for my ex-wife finding out about us and taking off in the truck, where would that have played out? Mm -hmm. there's, you know, there's some red flags there. There's definitely red flags with her issues with her mom growing up. She doesn't have a relationship with her mom. Uh, that whole, there's a lot of craziness there uh, that seeps in. And yeah, I think there's a lot of red flags, but the point of your question was, it was tumultuous leading up to that initial breakthrough. What was maybe, maybe the question is, what was that? What, why, why did you guys split up the, the first time? And I can honestly say, to this day, I have no damn idea. <laughs> I just know she got pissed one day and left. <laughs> yeah. And I still think the biggest problem with that is she got hanging around people who uh, I can honestly say the person that she moved into was a very uh, feminist style woman who, who, who really treated her husband like he should kiss the ground she walks on. I see. And I knew, you know, I knew the, the, the family and they would come over and, and, and spend time and, and we didn't get along clearly. Uh, but there were reasons why we didn't get along. So when all that happened, it was like, yeah, I, I could see that there was some influence in her probably saying, oh, well, you shouldn't, you know, everybody likes to be the victim. So when you start complaining, you have that person who is more than happy to, to jump on that oh, sure, bandwagon sure. and say, Oh yeah, you shouldn't put up with your husband. You go girl. Like this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Don't get yours. I would move out, you know, teach him a lesson. And it's like, well, okay. And yeah. so I think that had a, a little bit to do with it, but clearly she was having problems with me or it wouldn't have got to that point. And it never really, again, we just didn't talk about it. That should have been the first thing that we sat down when she came back after the first breakup Except she sat down and said, okay, this is going to get ugly, but this needs to happen. We need to figure out what the hell happened to us 
that led us to this and not just jump back into the, oh, we're back together. Let's let's knock it out every chance we get and pretend like we're newlyweds because we're not. We've been married for 10 years and we just had a, a, a really disastrous, like volatile breakup. We're not newlyweds anymore. We need to sit down like adults and, and mm-hmm. figure out where things went wrong. And we, we did not want to act like adults. And then as I slowly started realizing, hey, this is it's not going to work. We're going to have to start. We need to talk about this. It, it just became more and more of, I don't think we're ever going to sit down and have this conversation of why we can't act like two damn married people who love each other and and deal with the bad things without one of us going crazy. Yeah. So and you, you've talked I about had a really bad habit of matching aggression. Yeah. So when she started losing her temper, then I start losing my temper. And then she says things about me that just to kind of hit the mark. And so I, okay, well then I'm going to say things about you to hit the mark. Mm-hmm. And then before you know it, 45 minutes later, it, hopefully the, the cops don't show up, which <laughs> they do uh, a lot. Oh really? Wow. <laughs> you kind of, okay. you're like, what the hell were we even arguing about? Yeah. I don't know, but before you know it, the neighbors already called the cops on us again, mm-hmm. and we don't even know what we're we're arguing about. So, I mean, how long does that play out? How long can yeah. you keep that? And so, when I hear things about such volatility, my first thought is kids and how they're doing during all of this. How have they been doing, and how are they coping with this now? And are they aware of what's going on? Well. So I have older children for the most part, with the exception of the one that my wife and I have together. So my my the two that currently live here that are mine, which is my son who who just graduated college last year, oh, wow. and he's back home to uh, working on his career and paying off those amazing student loans <laughs> that we like to take take in when we go to college and then my daughter just graduated high school last year so she's still here um they know what's going on and honestly they are relieved right because they've had to deal with this for the last several years and uh, unfortunately they were always drug into the conversation and after a while you just kind of get like their question is they don't know why she's so upset with them because she'll bring up the fact that my kids you know, I give my kids everything or, uh, you know, I put them first or whatever the, the, the case may be. They're so disrespectful. Uh, a lot of that, I think, was kind of finger pointing. Everybody is a problem, just not me. Um, yeah. And so they they're actually relieved. Uh, they seen me kind of move on two and a half years ago and seen a side of me that was happy. And then, you know, they, they, they really liked the, the person that I was spending time with, even though that was way too soon. And, and, uh, we let it go a little bit farther than I ever should have. They liked her. And I think the reason why they liked her was because they seen a side of dad that they hadn't seen for a while. He was happy. He was smiling. Uh, uh, you know, and, and just everything that kind of goes with that. And then when we got back together, they were like, okay, you know, it, it is what it is. Uh, but over the last two years of just being the target of a lot of the, the arguments themselves, those two were kind of 
okay with it. They're upset with the fact that they, you know, they, they see my wife as their mom. She's been a mother figure to them for 12 years now and a very big part because I've had custody of them for the last, you know, eight years, nine years. So they have and a, uh, so they have a minimal relationship with their biological mother. Yes. Yeah. yeah they don't, they don't have uh, a, a little bit, you know, it's, they don't spend nearly as much time as they should, but she lives up in, uh, up North. And so, and she just doesn't participate in their life much. So my wife has, has just kind of been the mother figure for them for the last 10 years. So, you know, they're, that's always a sad moment to, to see where that's gone south. And my son, though, uh, and, and he's young. He's, he just turned seven not that long ago. God bless his heart. I, I mean, look, this impacts him more than I think we ever know. And we, we are going to probably have to, I'm going to have to get him in therapy just because we don't really truly understand the effects of, of what all this has, but he's seen a lot, but he's just a really, he just, he's a really happy kid and me and his mom love him to death. And even though we didn't get along and there were times that things are got crazy we always were able to kind of work it out and, and I really don't know how he's taking it to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, like I said, this is going to be something that he'll want to talk about or need to talk about. Uh, and that's something that will work together. I hope to, to kind of, uh, get him someone to talk to, but kids are resilient and that's, you know, a lot of times guys, you'll hear guys all the time. And, and I'm not saying it's an excuse, but in a way it is, it's, well, I worry so much about the kids. Well, worry about the kids who are stuck in a household with two people who don't like each other. Mm-hmm. That's more of a problem because they know that they see that. So the separation for him, he's kind of taken it in stride. He, he has a hard time with the back and forth clearly because he doesn't want to just stay with one parent. He wants, yeah. you know, when he's got to go to mom, he knows he's going to miss dad. So he gets upset that he's got to leave dad. But when he's with uh, mom and comes back to dad, it's like, oh, you know, I, I kind of want to stay at mom's house again because that's just how kids are. Uh, but they're, he's happy. And, you know, it, I don't think he clearly really understands the whole concept, but he also understands that mom and dad couldn't get along. So they're living apart and uh, you know, you just take it day by day and, and do the best you can to kind of comfort them. But he seems to be okay with it. What kind of arrangement do you have for the uh, split? Is like one week. 50, 50. So yeah, we're doing uh, right now we're doing what's called a two, two, three, uh, mm-hmm. which is two days with her, two days with, me three days with her and then the next time it goes two days with her two days mm-hmm. with me three days with me so every two weeks mm-hmm. someone gets him for five days straight because gotcha. of how that lays yeah. down the yeah. 14, a two-week calendar um it was it's not my that was what she suggested yeah and at some point you don't want to argue too much so i went ahead and, and agreed with it i think there was a better way of doing it but again uh it's 
So he gets to see us. And I coach his, you know, I coach his baseball, I coach his soccer, I coach all of his sports. So I get that extra time doing that stuff as well. Yeah. Well, that's good. So do you foresee this getting ugly? I, I don't know. Um, you know, as we, as we get into the legal, you know, and, and I said nothing's off topic and to a, to a degree, it's not just the specifics of, I can't really, Yeah. I don't want to, not that she's got some random person dialed into your fraternity. Although, <laughs> Hey, look, everybody gets surprised, right? So mm-hmm. when people say, yeah, I never would have thought my wife would do that. It's like, Oh brother, you <laughs> have got a lot to learn. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't expect her to do a lot, but I'm never surprised. So there's a difference between not expecting it and then being surprised when it happens. I'm never surprised at what people do. Uh, but I, I don't think it'll get ugly if, you know, I, I, I think worst case scenario is not going to get ugly, but we may go to court. Ultimately, could we agree outside of court and just say, let's do what we're doing now to a degree, there's going to be a little bit of give and take. This is just kind of that initial, this is what's going to temporarily get us out of the the relationship for the mm-hmm. time being and, and kind of give us a, a chance to breathe. As that moves forward and we get to the point where it's like, okay, court date's coming up. If it goes to court, everything gets ugly in court. That's why you go to court because you two obviously clearly can't get along enough to, to mediate. And in the book I'm writing, and anytime I talk to guys, it's like, figure it out in mediation. I'm telling you right now, if you guys can figure it out in mediation, life's going to be so much better. You both pretty much win if you can figure it out in mediation. Someone clearly loses if you go to court. Yeah. <laughs> and and that's, that's because that's why you go to court. And I think if it goes to court, things will get ugly. Not ugly in, in a sense that we no longer have control of the outcome. It, it goes to someone else. Uh, mm-hmm. But hopefully we can mediate this. There's still a big part of me that thinks that this is still a very, like, immature bluff of saying, in order to get you to realize I'm serious, I'm going to move out. And even for me, it's like, look, I'm not going to keep living like this. So you need to get out. Does that mean that in a month from now and six months from now, once we maybe get a chance to truly appreciate each other for who we are, that we can have that conversation? Maybe a lot happens in six months. I'm not taking it off the table. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm not making the same mistake I made two and a half years ago. We just sweep this under the rug. Yeah. So, I guess that's that's kind of where we're at right now, and it, it just depends on how stupid we want to act. Right now, if we can act like two mature adults living on their own, just kind of getting a chance to to take a break from each other, uh, there's a possibility we could maybe circle back around and have that conversation. Can I act right? I don't know. I mean, clearly, if I decide to start going out on dates and, and seeing people and, and doing my thing – from a distance she's not going to want it's like oh okay you moved on i don't want nothing to do with you now and the same thing with me if she finds somebody else and and builds a relationship that's something i don't think i'll ever be able to get over and that's fine 
she deserves to be happy, and, and so do I. I'm not going to hold it against her. It's just, it's that, okay, clearly we needed to move on kind mm-hmm. of moment, if that makes sense. Yeah. So you're talking about if, if months down the line you are able to have that mature sit-down, but is there in your mind any chance that the mature sit-down could result in a, how about we try this again? Because I ask because it sounds like you've emotionally detached to the point where even even physically you're like, I just don't have it in me. <laughs> it's kind of a big red flag for a lot of guys if you hit that point. You're like, woof, I may really be done here if I can't even get to that point mentally. Um, if that's the case, have you checked out no matter what? Or is there still some possible solution? No, I don't think, I don't think I'm... I'm fully checked out, which is why I, I need to make sure, you know, you always talk about, and, and a lot of guys talk about, you got to give yourself time after a breakup. Yeah. Part of that time is making sure that you're fully done mm-hmm. uh, away. You know, um, you've, you've gotten over that, that relationship, whether or not she plans on coming back or not, she may never plan on coming back. And I still need to get over the relationship myself, get to a point where I I'm good. I don't need to come back. I don't think I'm there yet. Uh, no, I, I honestly think for better or for worse, if, if she comes and knocks on the door tomorrow and says, Hey, we kind of, I kind of rushed things. I moved out. Let's do this. Let's just kind of put our relationship on hold for a little while with the understanding that, we're not going to move on with other people. We just need a break. And then maybe in, in two or three or four months, circle back around and say, do we want to give it another shot? Do we, can we have these conversations? I think I'd be okay with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, it's all hypothetical. I could say that. And then, you know, two months down the road, I, I stumble into a relationship that, leads to something bigger and better i don't know well now let's stop uh, let's stop there stumbling into um you have somewhat of a track record here of kind of overlapping relationships it's uh you know yeah. like a chain smoker <laughs> uh, you're you're yeah, you're, you're, well, you're lighting one cigarette with the other one kind of thing um <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. uh is it is it completely outlandish in your mind just to be completely female free for the next oh hell i don't know six months is that like are you kind of chuckle at that and go i know me and that's just not going to happen i i can't say i know me that it's not going to happen i just don't have that like should i set that and if i did could i live with that yeah right Mm -hmm. um i think i could i think i could if i wanted to but at the end of the day I also know that I, I, I guess I don't know the best way to put it, but um, I won't hesitate Do to you, move on. So, in other words, you're, you're telling me I, I got it under control. If and when I form some little attachment to somebody else, I'm able to not take it to the next level real fast. I'm able to keep it more casual and fun. Oh yeah, yeah. So. When, when, and, and I talk about my, you know, when I kind of moved on a little bit faster than I should have two and a half years ago, one of the stipulations that I made was, Hey, this is not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. You, 
I'm not in a relationship. I'm not looking for a relationship. I'll have those conversations on like day one. Like I set the expectation. I don't have the problem setting the expectation. Uh, and I don't, you know, when my wife came back clearly because someone, she thought someone was playing with her toy. Uh, it was like, okay, Hey, I'm done. My wife's back. So, uh, I told you this was just going to be, I don't think that's healthy. You know, as you say it out loud, it's not, Hmm. that's not the way I meant it, but no, I don't have, I'm not going to go fall in love next month with someone because I think she's Mrs. Right. And I ignore Mm -hmm. the uh, issues, but will I go out and and have fun, go on dates? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Am I going to let it get too serious? No, no, I'm not. No, that's not going to happen. It's funny. I answer your question? Yeah, it's funny. We talked about this earlier in the conversation when um, there's a lot of guys that I talk to who very, very quickly get into dating and pretty quickly fall for another woman and they, it's almost like they're campaigning and trying to sell this woman to me on the phone of, let me tell you what a bona fide, decent human being she is. And, um, he, you know, she's career and this and this and this. And the guy's just like, it's just, I just really think that, um, she's a really good person and she's awesome to be around and everything's great. And I really don't see any red flags or anything. And I tell them that, um, well, there's one glaring red flag that you're skipping. And as, and that is out of all the men in the world, She's picking one who is uh, in the not even divorced yet, <laughs> and uh, has kids and all this drama and everything else. I think a woman with her head on straight would just kind of get wide-eyed and go, "Well, it was nice meeting you," or "Hey, I'll tell you what, you can give me a call when all that's squared away and the divorce is settled and everything else." But for now, it was great meeting you and keep in touch. I had a great time. That type of thing. If it's a woman who's like, I'm ready to move in now, it's like, uh oh. So, but you know that. Right. And, you know, I've talked with some guys uh, through coaching one on ones. And, you know, we've kind of talked about that. And, and one of the things that I've always said was uh, if you feel like you're looking for attributes that make a wife on date one. Yeah. Yeah. You don't need to be on date one. No, you don't No, You just need to stop. Like if you start telling yourself this, I really like this. I, I, you know, someone had made a comment on, on the, the group chat once that they went out with someone and she just seemed perfect. And I was like, yeah, there's a problem right there. That's your problem right there is (laughs) you're not, you just got done with date one and you're looking into the future with this woman. Mm-hmm. You need to stop. You need to be on like date one with 20 women and then date two with 18 women and then date three with maybe 14 women. I mean, you got to go through that process um, and just have fun. I don't know why everybody's so quick to, to kind of jump back into that. Well, relationship it's a lot of money i don't want to jump back it's a it's a sense of uh, comfort and security and you know when you've been with one woman for some of these guys been with a woman for decades and they're just that they've been in that role for so long that's all they know and to have that suddenly that limb get cut from their body that's pretty traumatic and the first thing you want to do is put it back on real quick and let's just replace that woman with this other woman there's also the the school of thought which is 
one of my favorite lines, the best way to get over a woman is to get under 10 more. Um, which means uh, that the, the, the sexual intimacy with a bunch of other women makes you pretty quickly forget about the, the one that got away, the wife you're divorced and stuff. And there is something to that, isn't there? Yeah, there, there is something. I mean, you're right. There is, because I've always heard, you know, I've, I've heard it say the best way to get over someone is to get under someone else. I think when you say to get under 10 others, it makes it a little bit more. Uh, and I know that someone's going to listen to this and think, what an asshole. But it's it's not even so much getting under someone. It's getting out there and learning what you like and what you don't. Mm. Going out there and, and, and having fun, whether it's just drinks one night with, and, and maybe it's not with the, I mean, just get out there and, and live your life. Mm. And But what I'm not going to do is tell myself, oh, well, I can't go out and enjoy myself with this person because it hasn't been six months yet or it hasn't been eight months yet. Uh, I will say that if I start to look like, oh, I really like this woman, I wonder if she, you know, if you find yourself hanging out all the time, you, mm-hmm. you got to, you need to step away. And, you know, you, you kind of brought up a good point where when you, if someone wants to spend all that time with a guy who still isn't divorced, still doesn't have his shit together. That's, that's a big issue. Mm-hmm. Like to me, a big turn on would be if uh, someone told me, Hey, look, I really enjoy what we're doing, but call me when you get your stuff figured out. Yeah. It's like at least that's an honest conversation. Well, here's what's tough. And um, especially at your age and we're not too far apart age wise is that, um, your dating pool, if you're sticking around roughly your age group of women, it's a lot of women who've been there, done that, and basically are throwing aside all the bullshit. Some of them are, I'm just going to play out my party days because I never did that over the past so many years or decades of being married to some loser, in their mind, some loser, and I'm divorced, and yay me, I'm free. But a lot of them eventually get to the point of, enough with the BS, I, I just want to settle down and be normal again, and you, Mr., you're checking a lot of boxes here. I like what I'm seeing. Number one, you got a good personality. We can talk till you know, the sun comes up and what you got a good job too. Oh, holy shit. And you're able to, you already had kids. So you're able to care for kids. I can see that. And maybe you can help me take care of mine and their mind starts spinning. And, uh, they go into the mating game mode. These women do, and they present the absolute best possible woman that they can. And, um, that's where a lot of guys get in trouble. And this one sounds amazing, and I don't want to let her go. And she really campaigns for, yeah, I'm amazing. You don't want to let me go. That's tough for a lot of guys to uh, stop and go, you know what? I recognize, yeah, you're pretty awesome, but, yeah, not right now. not feeling it. And uh, you may lose her, and, hey, that's fine. It's a numbers game. It it sounds terrible, and it sounds unromantic and everything else, but your your chances of finding the right woman, you're going to have to go through dozens of them if not more. And, and you know what? It may, you may find yourself circling around to that, that yeah. first or that second one you went out with, uh, maybe being the one, but it, when, when you talk about the numbers game, it's, it's, you don't know if you don't have something to compare it to mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. What do I have to compare it to the last 10 years of my life? <laughs> well, I can honestly say I don't think a lot of people are going to, and that's how I know I'm not ready. I wouldn't be ready for a relationship anyways. I don't think a lot of people can 
hold a candle to what my wife brought to the table. But we've got 10 years of really good yeah, moments. Yeah. She, she had my son, and I love her to death. Um, you know, I don't deal with the nonsense that, like, you dealt with or I dealt with with my first one where she was at least known to me. I could be wrong. And, and, and again, I'm not going to be surprised. I'm, be upset a little bit like yeah, i didn't even know that damn but if she was out sleeping with a bunch of people then it may be a little bit <laughs> uh, a little bit but for right now I'd, it's going to be hard to replace that but i'm not looking to replace that i'm just looking to to, to kind of enjoy life and yeah. uh just i i guess just get get moving forward and if that means i sit up I can sit outside the house and just watch my grass grow for hours. I don't need someone here. <laughs> uh, well, and, and sometimes I just like to. That was going uh, to so, be my next question to you is, you know, if I had a crystal ball, I say, Thomas, I'm looking into your future, buddy, and I'm looking the next 20, 30 years, you don't settle down. You have a few little girlfriends here and there, and you never achieve that level of comfort and I was going to say stability, <laughs> talking about the volatility of right. your marriage. Stability is maybe not the right word, but just the, you know, typical married, you, me, house together, you don't ever see that again. Does that fill you with a sense of dread? Is that exciting? Is that Are you indifferent to that? Yeah, I mean, it doesn't, six in one hand, half dozen in the other. I think if we were being honest and you looked in the crystal ball, you'd probably say, okay, 20 years from now, you've got three other ex-wives and you just never find the one. Is that going to be okay with you? I'm like, yeah, that sounds about right. Um, <laughs> but I mean, all joking, all joking aside, no, I don't, I'm not, that's fine. Uh, it doesn't hurt my feelings because like I said, even we're, we're kind of early in the game, obviously, but even right now I'm okay with just being here, just, just living my own life. I've got stuff I got to do. And that stuff doesn't involve pulling somebody else into it. Mm. And I definitely, like you said, yeah, the 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 selection is a little bit limited. I, I think it's a, I think it's more so for women our age than it is for men because oh, men yeah. can kind of date down and women can't. Yeah. Uh, in a uh, uh, among age other wise. things, yeah. in age definitely, it, it's not. You know, my my age gap can be from early thirties to you know. What I, hell, I don't know, whatever number it is. <laughs> uh, whereas, you know, for, for women, it, it's not, usually they won't date younger. Well, they'll, they'll have flings yeah, younger, yeah, but exactly. they don't really establish a relationship yeah. with younger guys. Uh, not unheard of, but pretty rare. Right. Yeah. No, and, and I think it's, uh, you know, I think a lot of these guys, and I tell a lot of these guys, you got to go be comfortable being alone. And if you're not comfortable being alone, you're not, you're not in a position to be with someone because you're right. That's when you start, when you're trying to replace that feeling of comfort, that's when you start overlooking a lot of things. I'm comfortable being alone. Uh, but my being alone is I don't need someone moving in. I don't need someone steadily dating. I don't need to be on the phone with someone all the time or, going out with someone all the time. My being alone is if someone calls me and says, Hey, you want to go out and have drinks? Yeah, I'll go out and have drinks. If I don't hear from that person again for the next two months, I, I, okay. I don't, or ever. Yeah. I don't, I don't care. Yeah. 
uh, I just went out and had a drink, had a good time. And then, then I go home. And oh. I don't. I was talking. I was talking about this with a guy the other day, and I I always use the you know I, I find myself in these coaching calls and podcasts and stuff. You, you, people have what are called verbal crutches. You know the phrases and words that you keep coming back to and get it again. And one of my yeah. one of my key phrases is the crystal ball thing. I always use that with guys. So if I could look into your future, and I said this to a guy the other day, and I verbalized this out loud, and I thought you know I don't know if that's a good thing or not. And that was. Um, I said, for me myself, if somebody were to say, I see your, your life, and it actually splits into two roads. One road is for the next, oh, let's say 25 years, you're going to have a five-year relationship, and it's going to be amazing, and it's going to be loving, sweet, sexual, the whole nine yards. And then after five years, it just starts petering out, and it becomes dull, and it becomes comfortable, and the sexiness is gone, and it's just humdrum, and you're miserable, but comfortable, you know, the typical marriage horseshit, and then that goes on for the next 20 years. Or option B is five years of awesome, done. Five years of awesome with another woman, done. Five, So, you know, five women in a row comprised of five-year chapters of awesomeness, which would you prefer? And I'd say having gone through what I've gone through and seen what I've seen, I'm going with option two every time, which is living life to the fullest excitement, excitement. I don't. Yeah, so you can smoking too. What's that? So in a sense, maybe you're. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Too. Exactly. Or am I averse to settling down? Am I averse to relationships? Because invariably, unless you put in a shit ton of hard work and you have a little bit of luck on your side, you're not going to experience that new relationship energy indefinitely throughout a relationship. Um, You can do things like what I wrote in the book, the dead bedroom fix that help bring back that spark and keep you connected as a couple and keep you more attractive as a man and keep her on her toes, so to speak and so forth. But you never uh, keep that exactly that five year oomph. Um, So part of me says, am I one, am I a guy that just needs to kind of say, you know, it can't always be that five year oomph. 20, 30 years down the line. At some point, you're going to have to settle and be happy with what you got. Um, but pulling me the other way is, uh, shit, I, I, I've seen <laughs> I've seen the light, and I can't go back. Um, and I got a kid coming on the way, and that, a kid right. number four. And that's with, this is our first kid with the, with the new wife. I say new. We've been together for about eight years now. But um, so... Part of me wonders, you know, is that going to be uh, detrimental to us and to what I think of as an exciting and, quote, necessary life going forward? So, you know, I I bring that up because you're kind of at a little crossroads here of, hey, this chapter's over. What kind of book am I going to write going forward here? Yeah, and I I think so, you know, a part of that, though, is I I don't think I need to know right now. Yeah what my what my book is going to say in five years and 10 years i'm okay with not ever settling down again i think i'll get to a point where you you kind of look at your age and say yeah i mean i'll take what i got and just just run the rest of my life with it that's that's going to be a long time from now yeah i'm not going to i don't even like the term you used it multiple times and i understand why but settle down i'm yeah. not settling yeah. anytime soon yeah it's a that, negative term isn't it yeah 
but it's it's the one everybody uses. Kind of like the term I cheat. <laughs> when you when talking about well, people having affairs, you're cheating. <laughs> it's not the right, right term either. Yeah. One thing I one thing I will say, if you find the right person and and God willing, I, I think you did and, and the reason why you probably did was you set the expectations from the very get go. You didn't just ignore things because you've been through this and and I obviously Clearly, you're more mature than a lot of the guys out there that go through this. But 10 years later, physically, my wife is not what she was when I met her 10 years prior. And I can honestly say that if I had met someone who – and and my wife was – she's very attractive. But a lot of that attraction was 10 years of love, and that's why I think – that's that's what I would like to have. Could I go 10, 20 years in a relationship? Uh, yeah, but not settling. Like mm-hmm. there, you know, mm-hmm. I, I think you can find that excitement. That excitement gets replaced with something else as long as it gets replaced. And no, it's not the same as a five-year spark, but sometimes there's there's a comfort level and there's an attraction that's built over the course of, of 10 years. I think a lot of people mistaken that, but for me, I mean, my wife is, is very attractive for other reasons. And I've always been turned on by her with the exception of when things get volatile Mm -hmm. and, and move on. Uh, or, you know, it was more of a, could I still engage in that with her? Oh, absolutely. I mean, she could knock on the door today and I, I could I could get to that point very easy. I just told myself I wasn't going to because it nothing was going to get accomplished if we didn't fix the the situation. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's called maturity. And you maybe ten twenty years ago you wouldn't have done that. Oh hell no! Yeah. Um, no no no. I'd have, I'd have ran that for uh, you know all. No, 10, 20 years ago, I, I definitely would have ran this into the ground to the point where we just absolutely, I mean, hated each other. And that's kind of what me and my ex-wife did. Uh, we just ran each other. I was cheating on her. She was, che- you know, my way of, of dealing with her cheating on me was I would go cheat on her. <laughs> yeah. Like, where does that end? That's pretty common. That becomes a very, very uh, crazy game of, of Russian roulette when mm. it comes to a marriage. Let's see who can cheat the most. It's like, that's not... And we would still have moments where, uh, even towards the end of our marriage, the the bedroom would get super like intense, and I, it's just weird. <laughs> it's like it's one of those things where it's like I don't like this woman. I was sleeping with someone else two days ago, but tonight, I'm, oh my god, like there's a term for that. It's, it's a you're describing a flavor of what they call um, shit. I always forget the name of this hysterical bonding. That's what they call it. When uh, and you will often yeah. you will often see it between people when um, there's an affair and there's like a lot of guy, a lot of guys are disturbed and women too are disturbed by I just caught my partner in an affair and why do I feel so hypersexualized and connected right now and it's like it's almost like the brain the brain and body's way of saying you're about to lose your partner do all you can to stay connected to them go get them. And there's like a heightened attachment emotionally. They're talking more than ever. They're sexy more than ever before. And then it just suddenly just stops. And it's like the body brain just go, what the hell are we doing? And it just quickly well, goes we away. We talked about that. 
right? Because I think that's part of what may have happened two and a half years ago with me in my life. Yeah, when you it got back. Like, yeah. In her mind, I was sleeping around and, and having an affair. Uh, I wasn't. But then when she served me temporary, you know, when she served me paperwork, it became, even if I was, that's none of your business. You, you, you serve me paperwork, but you know, that's, that's part of the argument that we had over the last two and a half years. And I just told her, Hey, that was none of your business. You shouldn't have left anyways. Mm -hmm. Um, whether that's the right answer or not, but you know, part of that could very well, you know, that leads to, to kind of what happened with us is at the very beginning of us getting back together. I mean, things were just like crazy intense yeah and that is not sustainable uh by any stretch of the imagination it, it's not sustainable it's not healthy neither until you sit down and have that conversation i was going to say not until you sit down as two adults and say all right this has been a great few weeks here but <laughs> we got right. some we got some issues to work on but the yeah. problem the problem is when you have those great moments you know a week two weeks three weeks whatever it is of this hyper connectedness who, who wants to disrupt that Let's just keep this going. This is amazing. Woohoo. Let's just sweep everything under the rug. We'll we'll deal with that. You know, we'll kick that can down the road. And we'll deal with it later. And you never do. Uh, no, until it becomes such a big issue, you're tripping over that spot. Exactly. Exactly. And eventually it does. And that's, you know, I, I think what I'd like for a lot of people who listen to this to, to get in their mind is, uh, you, you, you got to understand your self-worth and, and being able to appreciate yourself, whether you're going through, there's a lot of guys that need to pull the trigger. Yeah. Uh, and and yeah. we talked about this. I think it was in the, the, the chat that we have as coaches where I said, everybody's all about pulling the trigger until it comes time. Sure, sure. And then they don't. Well, I've, I've told, I've told a lot of guys. One of my one of my speeches yeah. to a lot of guys that discover infidelity on their wife's part, and, and they're disgusted with themselves for trying to hang on. And I say, you know, ninety nine percent of guys before discovering their wife's affair, if you pulled them aside and said, "What would you do if you found out your wife's cheating on you?" They would say, "I'd throw her shit out in the driveway." You know, I'd I'd call her mom, say, "Come get your daughter," and she'd be and I'd be banging hookers, you know, the next day or whatever. Super manly, right. tough guy. And then when it really happens, there's like, uh, hold on, can we talk about this? Can, can we, no, do we, no, no, no. Don't blow up our family. Don't. Right. When it push comes to shove, and it's reality hits you upside the face. It's funny how we all respond, but um, it's tough. It's especially. Well, and it has nothing to do with with my decision. Obviously, I didn't make the decision I made uh, because I'm sitting back thinking I've got to set the example for the the handful of guys that yeah, yeah. I talked to. <laughs> but I mean this is what I would have done regardless. However, you know, I, I think it needed to be said that look, I'm not just telling you to do things that I don't think is true. And that was, you know, that's kind of part of why I wanted to have this conversation is look guys, I tell you every once in a while there are some guys out there I say, look, it's time to call it, man. You I mean you gotta go. You can't keep doing this to yourself. Mm -hmm. And, you know, even then there's even some guys are like, well, you know, my wife wants to just kind of stay friends. And it's like, no, <laughs> not for now. 
eventually, yeah, right now you need to cut her completely out of your life because you can't do that. Mm-hmm. You don't have the mental capacity to be friends. You're being friends is, is uh, subconsciously your attempt at, at fixing the relationship, and this is your last means of holding on. Yeah. So you're going to play the friends, and then she's going to start seeing someone else, and it's going to drive you even more nuts because you never moved on. Yeah. No, you need to stop and move on. And that's, uh, you know, that's that's one of the things where I don't want my wife coming over every day now, right now. Mm. I don't. Uh, and she doesn't need me coming over every day. I, I want us to be able to, to have that ability to get along for the sake of, of our son mm-hmm. and be cordial. But if she started coming over, like if she came over now, I'll joke and say, I was like, hey, I just wanted to hang out. I'd be like, eh. Yeah, I don't feel comfortable don't with that. that. Yeah. Yeah. No. Well, maybe, maybe today, tomorrow, if, you, if you're back again, I'm going to have to put a stop to it. Because mm-hmm. what are we accomplishing? Are, are you opposed to the idea of down the line, years down the line, months down the line? I don't know. Um, you and the wife have almost like a quasi marriage of. She lives there, I live here, but we're still attached intimately. We still get together, go on dates and so forth. We just don't live under the same roof. I, I've heard that and a couple that's, of times. That's, a, that's an awesome, that's a really good question. And I think I think the answer to that is you have to set boundaries. Yeah. If, you, if that were to work, you have to set boundaries. And that was one of the questions. I talked to a guy about this on a one-on-one, and I said, look, that only works if you guys set boundaries. What do those boundaries look like? Well, what are you willing to be okay with? Are you guys exclusive? Then that boundary needs to be set. Mm-hmm. Are you okay with it not being exclusive? Maybe you guys still have the dating and stuff, but you get to go date. She gets to go date just to make sure that this is who you want. Can you get past the point that you guys are not together uh, or, or you are? She's going out and dating. You're going out and dating. Are you at that point? If not, then you got to have that conversation. So I think that depends on how it looks. Now, if my wife says, "Hey, uh, you know, I, I'm okay with 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 how I'm not okay with us dating," uh, I guess from an intimate level. Look, if she goes out and she wants to start banging other guys, that's her problem. Mm-hmm. That's that's her that. I'm fine with that. I'm not going to sit back and and be upset, but I would be if I wanted to get back together with her. So that's an expectation that has to be laid out of, I mean, how would I know? I probably wouldn't, but if you were, you better not tell me, right? Don't make it obvious. Live your life, but we're not going to have that conversation. Um, And I would hold myself to the same standard that I would, that I, I held her to as well. Could I be in two different residences and have that sort of makeup? I think so. But uh, again, we, we have to, we have to be able to sit down and have that conversation. That's why we're not living together anymore. Cause we couldn't have that conversation. If we can have it by living apart in two different places and we want to sit down and, and do that. Yeah. You have your life. I have mine. You have your finances. I have mine. You have your responsibilities. I have mine. And we just enjoy life. We go out on dates and, Sometimes you stay over here. Maybe sometimes I'll stay over there. And, and we just, we build that relationship back up. Could I do that? Yeah. Do I think it's feasible? No, because if it was, 
I, don't, I just don't know if we'd be where yeah. we are right now. Yeah, because the the one of the benefits of marriage is the framework kind of answers a lot of those questions for you just by nature of marriage. Like it's understood we don't screw around. It's understood we share finances. It's understood we help care for this kid. It just kind of takes care and smooths all those wrinkles out. But when you start complicating it with you live there, I live here, who's dating who, uh, are we intimate or not? Am I making dinner? And who's it just gets way too complicated. And then invariably it's I, I if we're going to do this, we need to move back in together. And it's like oh here we go. So it's never that easy. It's never cut and dry. I've heard it work right. for I've heard it work for some, like for long periods of time, but I think that's a very rare exception. Well, it's kind of worked for in a sense, not I mean, this is a new and I say new, it's not new, but this is kind of what you've known for so many years. You and your wife do that. Yeah, right? so somewhat. Somewhat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have that sort of build up where you know she lives uh down here in, in the in the great state of Texas, and and you unfortunately do not live in the great state of Texas. It's true, so, it's true. But and you guys have made that work. Mm-hmm. I think you're going to have potentially the reverse effect, where when you guys do eventually start living together, it's going to have to have that. There's a little bit of awkwardness, I think, there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and but you guys have done a, a really good job of, of laying that out, and, and I'm sure a lot of that comes with you guys have set boundaries with each other. Sounds like your wife is not afraid to, to set boundaries. Oh no, no, she's and she's yeah, she's very uh, blunt, and so am I about this is my me time, and I'm going to go do this and, and that's this. The only way that works. Yeah, absolutely. And, and we're both so, no, we, I think yeah. the ninety percent of the relationships out there. Something like that doesn't work, and I think it's even more difficult when you guys couldn't make it work together to then turn around and say, okay, now that we're living apart, I think we can make a a go at this. Um, That means that you both really have to sit down, and, and the one caveat to that is when you guys spend maybe a month or two months or three months apart, it gives you time to reflect on the stuff that you thought was was uh worth holding your ground on mm-hmm. and realize that it's not we need to sit down you know like in this case my wife was like yeah i don't want to have the the finance conversation and i was like well okay i'm you know then i'm not doing it neither i think after being apart for maybe one or two or three months and you start to realize this was kind of childish on us that first conversation is us sitting down at the table and having those conversations or we don't have, we don't slowly just kind of start doing, I'm not doing that. I'm not playing the game where we start to kind of like slowly treat each other like we're married, but we're not. It's like, look, if you want to give this a go, we're going to sit down and we're going to establish boundaries. Okay. You want to live in your apartment for the next six months or a year? That's fine. What are the boundaries? Sit down and have those. You tell me what you expect from me. I'll tell you what I expect from you. If neither of us like it, then we say, fuck it. We go our separate ways. If we're okay with that, maybe we give it a try for a couple months. And then we take it from there. Um, but that that conversation is going to come first. That conversation of sitting down and figuring out what went wrong and how we're going to work together as a couple to make sure that doesn't go wrong again. That is the very first part of this conversation. That's tough. That's tough. So 
So here you are. So it probably wouldn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> so here you are. Next steps are what well, you kind of already got the process rolling a little bit as far as divorce is concerned. As, as far as you're concerned, that's that's the process is all leading to divorce, right? Right. We're we're just kind of feeling our way towards I think amicably just going through that process. The logistics Hopefully. of what that means, a separation, kid thing, money thing. And I, she right. she works, so she has a regular paycheck? Uh, hell, I don't know. Okay, um, all right. <laughs> I, I would assume so, but like I said, the last few, she didn't. And, and that was some of the problem that we have. Not that she didn't have a job, but then there's expectations of, okay, if you're a stay-at-home mom, this is kind of what I expect of you. If you're not, then this is what then then this is what I expect of you, and and vice versa. Clearly, if I'm not working, my wife's going to have a lot of expectations that shit gets done mm. while she is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I am working, and that doesn't mean no by any sense of the or stretch of the imagination that I get to come home from work. And I say that in quotes because I work from home. But when when I clock out, I don't get just go sit my ass on a couch and watch TV for the rest of the day. No, the minute I clock out, it becomes a, in my mind, a 50, 50 share the responsibilities moving forward. But while I'm at work, you need to be working too. And what does that work look like? Well, if you're a stay at home mom, then that work looks like stay at home stuff. Mm -hmm. So we don't get to sit down and watch Netflix for six hours of the day. And then when I get off work, it's like, okay, what are we going to do for dinner? I don't know. You sat down and watched six hours of Netflix all goddamn day, and it finally <laughs> was in the cooking channel. So where's this conversation going to go? Uh, go figure it out. Um, so, and, and, and again, I, I went down, you know, I, I digress. I'll get back to the conversation of, uh, I don't know if she has a job. I would assume she's got something. I think the job she has is more like a, a someone who takes care of I think she lives in an apartment so she helps take care of the apartments oh I see and that's how she, what, well, what's that I said I see okay I was wondering how she's paying rent if no cash is coming in if maybe some under the table kind of cash work or something but if that uh, sounds like a right. good arrangement she sells yeah. Tupperware that, that was a point of All right. and, and I don't like throwing my little business out there to yeah. a, an extent so I'll do so very carefully and out of, you know, look, out of respect. To me, that's just not something people do. <laughs> they did. And Tupperware was big back in the 80s. Is that still going on? I think there's a very small niche of people who still hold on to that. It's uh-huh. not a. It's not going to be a fulfilling career. It's kind of like Mary Kay and all the other. Yeah, MLM, um, they call it multi-level marketing and all that. Yeah. Right. For whatever reason, that it really attracts a lot of women. I don't. There's something psychological there. I don't know what that is, but um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't get it. There's lipsticks. There's oils. There's just all kinds of shit that, and it's always the women. It's always the the housewives types. I don't know what that is, but anyway, gives them a sense of purpose. Maybe I don't know. But um, Maybe. regardless, I can sense that your uh, your overall um, sensibility is one of, I don't know, best of luck to her, but that's not my problem anymore, which I think is yeah, healthy. I mean, once you, as long as your kid's taken care of. Yeah. 
Yeah. Go ahead. I say as long as your kid's taken care of, it's all you know. As long as he's not going when he visits her to some dump or he's out in the alley somewhere, and right. Best of luck to her. Yeah, as long as they're doing well. I look. I wish her the best of luck. I'm not sitting over here wishing and surprising. And I was in this position too. I talk about the desperation two and a half years ago, three years ago, where it's like you start to paint scenarios of where things in her life go wrong, so you can run in and play the hero. And and swore her, you know, get her back to fall in love with you because you were there. And it's like that's it's really a pathetic mindset that yeah. we fall into. Yeah. I don't know if you ever got to that point, but I know there were times it's like I kinda hope her car breaks down. So oh sure, sure. Yeah, of course. Her. Yeah. Yeah, but now, it, it doesn't do anybody any good. No. No, it, it, it doesn't, but it's just that it's that way that that you use to kind of hold on to to what's not there. Now that's not my problem, and I. But I wish her the best. I want her to be successful. Like I would like for her to be to call me up and say, "Hey, ever since I met you, I I met a great guy. He's a doctor. I went to college and got a degree. I, it's not going to happen, but you know, whatever the case may be. And I I want her to be happy. I wanted my ex-wife to be happy. I don't. And I've gotten into it with or had conversations with guys in the group about all this ill will and, and, hmm. and animosity is like, dude, get over it. Yeah. Let her, with her happiness, because the only reason why you don't is because you're not happy yourself. Yeah. You're I'm happy. Still very much attached. I'm upset that, yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I'm, I'm upset that it had to get to this point, but I'm doing well and, and I'm okay. And I want her to do well as well. Uh, I want her to, to, to be okay whether it's with me or without me for not only her sake, but for my son's sake. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, but I'm, I'm also not that guy that if she calls me tomorrow and says, Hey, I was driving to X and you know, my sister's house or whatever. And my car broke down. What should I do is like I call somebody else. Tow trucks. They exist for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> Click. Yeah. Right. I, I still pay your insurance. You have roadside assistance. It's mm. on the back of the card. Figure it out. Yeah. You didn't want that anymore. Yeah. You don't get that. There's a, I had a therapist who told me, do not, I'm trying to remember the exact words. Do not soften the blow of their poor life decisions. And in reference to my ex-wife of she left and I was worried about what's she doing for money? What's she doing for this and how she take care of the kids on her days? I don't understand. None of this makes sense. And she's like, she'll have to figure it out. Don't soften the blow of her, her poor decisions. So it's time for be be a big girl and grow up. Yeah. Just to kind of, we, we joke, not jokingly, but we have those conversations of, man, I don't know what she's doing. I don't know how she's doing. Yeah. But just to kind of, that's more of a conversation of, you know, you kind of wonder, right? Yeah, like, exactly. I really don't know. Yeah, I don't get how this, how this whole thing works. Yeah. Yeah. Every I'm guy not just, sleeping. I'm not losing sleep over it. Yeah. But it's, you're just uh, like curious. I used to be. What's that? So you're just curious. Like, you know, it, when it doesn't make sense. Yeah. yeah. Every, every guy I've talked to the same thing. I don't get it. She moved. I don't know how she's affording this place. I don't know who's paying what bills. And it's, but uh, eventually you just, it's curiosity and it's become more indifferent and that's their problem. Well, sir, we've gone on for a while here. Yes, we have marathon session, but that's good. I like talking about editing, (laughs) editing shrink shrink that timeline a little bit, but it's been fun. Um, I enjoyed it. I I do appreciate you taking the time. I mean, this is one of those, 
awkward. That's not the right word. You're not quite sure. You feel excited for your friend who's embarking on a new chapter. And there's definitely, definitely positivity here. But you hate to see you get to this point via something like divorce. Which I don't care how tough you right. are; it's it's a sucky thing, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You don't really know how to express the look. I'm 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 happy for you. Is not really the best way. There's no <laughs> hallmark card to explain <laughs> your your feelings towards someone who's going through this because you wish them the best, and and you probably realize it was the best thing for them. But at the same time, like, how do you say that and not seem? Yeah. Uh, unempathetic, I guess, or with the lack of empathy. No, I get what you're saying. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited myself. Uh, it's 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 been something that that is there's a lot of tension in the house prior to her moving out. That's just no longer here, and mm. you know, I hope we, I hope somehow down the road we eventually find a way through this together that would be really good but it doesn't have to be yeah. it's not going to define me and my kids are a little bit happier and i know they're a little bit older and they won't be here forever but the stress is you could just kind of see the weight off everybody's yeah. shoulders yeah. and including my wife i'm sure there's a lot of weight off her shoulders mm -hmm. as well just being able to get out and breathe and i hope that that does a lot of good for her as well so we'll end on that note. Excellent. We'll keep, you know, let's. Uh, we look forward to hearing the next chapter. Do a follow up on the, on this yeah. here later and see uh, what life has treated you and hear about the <laughs> the trials and tribulations of your of your dating life. That'll be interesting. We should have a whole uh, podcast well, on that. All the weirdos you're going to yeah, date. Yeah, if, uh, if you happen to if you happen to get an email saying I booked some coaching sessions, <laughs> to get an idea where I'm. <laughs> 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 All right, I appreciate your time. Uh, thanks very much. All right, sir. Pleasure talking to you. All righty. And we'll see you around. If you're listening to this, you're probably a guy who is interested in self-improvement. You probably consume a lot of information, like these podcasts, YouTube videos, audiobooks, courses, everything you can to learn more and help you become the best man that you can be. And if you're like a lot of men, there's something still missing. Well, I can tell you what that missing thing probably is. Quality time with other men that are on the same mission as you. Some of you probably have casual relationships with your fellow soccer dads or the occasional beer with guys from the neighborhood, but none of them seem to be on the same page as you. Am I right? They seem content with their shitty marriages, their shitty jobs, and their expanding waistlines. They have all but given up. You find yourself talking to them about the same football teams, listening to their stories about their subpar home life, and you're getting to the point where you dread hanging around them. Well, the good news is that we have assembled a group of men just like you. We call our group the DSO Fraternity. We have live Zoom meetings that are hosted by yours truly, along with the other members of the DSO team. We have a very active private discussion forum, a Discord server for our lifetime members, a members-only podcast, access to my books in audiobook and PDF format at no extra charge, discounts on one-on-one -on -one coaching with myself and other members of the team, discounts on our video courses, and access to our in-person gatherings. 
We have met in Nashville, Tennessee, Austin, Texas, Las Vegas, Australia, Amsterdam, and soon in New Orleans. So check it out, the DSO Fraternity at dsofraternity.com. We have monthly, annual, and lifetime membership options available. I think you will find our group is the missing piece of the puzzle that you have been looking for.